Kittimer, the not-so-secret location of the Peace Conference, it's the Digigods. And now, two guys who won't let it end this way, Captain Major and Captain Kaiser. Thank you, Corey. We do love a Star Trek reference. So, who sent that one in. That was brought to you by Klingon in Disguise, Brian Sagan. Brian Sagan. Thank you, Brian. It's a good thing he has the same name as Carl Sagan. It's very apropos. Billions and billions and billions. So, uh, Mark, you know, I've been taking a, uh, since the end of, pretty much for the, all, so far for the entire month of May, I've been taking a sabbatical from social media. I don't know Thank if anybody's God. noticed. I have, yeah, uh, I've been, uh, I'm on a uh, Facebook cleanse. Uh, so it, how does it feel? It feels good. I, it was precipitated by the circle, which I had to review for radio, and uh, the circle is uh, not a great film, but it 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 puts a pit in your stomach if when you start to realize just how all consumed we are by social media and how it just completely takes over your life. And I I just I couldn't handle it. I, I just it it made me ill. So I just said that's it. I'm going on a cleanse. Now, are you on Instagram? No. Are you on Twitter? No. Are you on uh, Snapchat? No. Okay, so really it's just Facebook. It's a Facebook cleanse, okay, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Are you on Instagram? No. Uh, I ha my, my family set up an Instagram account for me, which I don't think I remember the password for. Th those are the big four then, right? Snapchat, Instagram, and, uh, and Twitter Snapchat and is, Well, Twitter's – it's funny with Twitter. Twitter's becoming kind of a legacy – it's becoming like uh, like the broadcast networks. It's a little yeah. bit old now. It's not really evolving, and and it's still 140 characters, and there's not much yeah. else to do with it. Yeah. You know, whereas Facebook at least is evolving to Facebook Live programming. Facebook's going to start doing shows. You know, Snapchat will eventually have that problem too. Yeah. You know, to evolve beyond what it yeah. started as, whereas Twitter never evolved beyond what it started as. Whatever all of this becomes, I mean, w what we are looking at now is going to bear no resemblance to, for example, what my daughter will consider social media in, you know, 14 years. Can you imagine what it's going to be then? Hopefully I'll be dead. I won't be saying, I, I will not be saying things like, I typed my college papers out on a typewriter and you white out. I will not be saying that. I'll be saying things like, I remember when Facebook first started. No, you, you no, you'll <laughs> be saying that'll make me sound ridiculous. You'll be saying, "I remember when I used to have to type my emails. Now we just think them to the next person, think them in, into the into the computer." Crazy, crazy, crazy. By yeah. the way, Alien Resurrection, good. Uh, what's it called? Alien uh, Covenant, good. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, well, good. I like I've got to, I've got to see Pirates, uh, and then I've also got to see um, Baywatch this week. I got invited to that. Which I, I am I, I, hoping, I, I please, I say please, please, I am hoping that they do to that what they did at 21 Jump Street. Just go full camp. Just really, just mess with it. Have fun. It, it, it seems like it's going more comedic than the other one, but. Well, they all do. I mean, Starskin Hutch did, and uh, and Dukes of Hazard did, which was terrible. Uh, you know, so I mean, that's the direction they try to take all of them. No, but 21 Jump Street, that thing went hilariously off the rails. Oh, that but thing, that's that that that's Miller and Lord. Look, and, you know. it, it is, and you know what the the 
the whole uh, coda for twenty one for twenty two Jump Street, that whole bit at the end mm-hmm. okay. where they just take it completely <laughs> off the cliff. That is awesome. Uh, the whole self referential meta thing, like you know what? Before they ask us to do another sequel, why don't we just give you a preview of the next twenty seven sequels? That is just insanely funny. I mean, that's some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. And yet, we've never seen any of those sequels. No. <laughs> and by the way, have have you seen uh, have you seen shots of Jonah Hill recently? Uh, is he, he is just rail thin. He is a is big, he really? He's a big yo-yo guy, but now he's just rail thin. I don't know if he's rail thin for a role or because he's decided well, to clean it up. I, I hope he. I hope he gets healthy. The thing is, that can hurt a career. It can, you know, like uh, what's his face Newman from uh, Seinfeld. He got thin, and people stopped hiring him because they wanted Newman. Because there's, you know, I mean, there's, there's Robbie Coltrane, yeah. there's, uh, you know, Newman. Fat is, a, fat, like, fat is a thing, you know, and no, fat, fat is fat is a castable. It's a castable attribute. I, I mean, in, in in the case of Chris Farley and John Candy and and a lot of others, it cost them their lives. You know what's funny that when when you look at somebody like John Belushi, who was kind of like the the yeah. you know, the fat one, whatever. In in, to, in, in today's context, he's thin. Yep. True. In today's context, he's a nor he's normal. Very true. In the 70s, he was the fat one. Very, very true. It's all uh, very sad. But I'll say in, in terms of taking my cleanse, uh, I've been getting a lot done. I've been uh, literally catching up on years of fixing iTunes tags and missing album covers. Wow. It's been amazing. I I'm th- getting my iTunes library completely into shape. Just get Spotify. I have Spotify. Yeah, but I can't. Then it's not. I don't own it. Then if something disappears from Spotify, I'm screwed. Well, That's look, like saying my uh, my my movie collection is on Netflix. It, it, that doesn't count. That's somebody else's collection that you have access to. It's like saying that you know I have a I have a wonderful uh, I have a wonderful book collection. It's called the library. No, it isn't. Somebody else can use that too. It's it, no. Look, I have an iPod. It's got five thousand five hundred songs on it. I don't listen to it because I listen to Spotify. But if Spotify were to go away, then at least I have. Because here's the thing. I was saying this the other day to somebody, yeah. which has nothing to do with movies. Mm-hmm. Is that it is true. That you really do stop listening to music around the mid twenties. So whatever you, whatever music you listen to until you're around, like let's say thirty, is the only music you will ever listen to. Like, do you do you really listen to and love n- new music from Justin Bieber? Uh, and Gomez? No, but I anybody can anybody contemporary. I Katy Perry, Pink. Um. Okay, so there's two. Now name uh, now name all the acts from the 70s and 80s who, who you still listen to. You can you, we'll be here for an hour. You know, I've been putting together, I've been putting together, now that you mention it, I've been putting together my, uh, my ultimate 1970s mush mix. You're going to love this. What's a mush mix? It's a mush mix. It is four plus hours of the goopiest, mushiest 70s tunes you've ever heard. It's, it is America. It is Glenn Campbell. It is England Dan and, and John Ford Coley, uh, Carpenters, Barry Manilow, Bread, you name it. It's it's all that stuff. All it's just it is mushy and goopy and syrupy, and it'll make you feel like you're, uh, you know, like you're hanging out with hippies uh, playing naked bongos on a beach somewhere in uh, in, in San Juan San Juan Capistrano. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so anyway, there you go. Right. Let's talk about stuff. Mark. Yes. Yes, sir. Do you want to uh, start us off? Get out. Big deal. It is a big deal. I, I thought this movie was great. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'll, I'll admit I was, I was skeptical because even though I love Kean Peele and um, uh, I especially love Jordan Peele, I think he's incredibly talented. 
but I was still skeptical because I, I, I was thinking, is the, the premise, it sounds a little too on the nose. It sounds a little too, like, hipstery, clever, inversion, racial, politics, horror film. It just sounded too, like, when they, it was their surprise screening at Sundance, and I thought, this just sounds a little bit too patent, too kind of, you know, calculated. But it's not. It's not. It's really great. smart. It's 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 a it's really smart. If you haven't seen it, and I I I sincerely suggest that uh, you do. It stars. Um, it's about this African American guy whose uh, girlfriend, played by Allison Williams, is obviously uh, is obviously white, and she takes him home to meet the parents. And the, and what's what's so great about the film? It's just smart in all the relationships where the parents see themselves as being the ultimate accepting the you know, liberal family who doesn't care that their that their daughter is dating a black man you know the father takes the takes the, the kid through the house and shows him the shot of his like his father competing with Jesse Owens just to prove his his his, his cred as a guy who, who who doesn't deal in racial politics at all and of course the opposite is completely true so what it what it does is it it it, it very subtly it very subtly indicts people who Really are quote unquote so proud of themselves yeah. for not for for loving African Americans and accepting yeah. all people when it turns yeah. out that everybody really a little bit <laughs> is racist. Yeah, everybody. Well, right? everyone and, everyone has some level of bias. I'm I'm loath to, to 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 necessarily call it racism, but it but everyone everyone imports a a bias of some kind, an unconscious bias. It's 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 normal and it's natural. And uh, you know the what you hope is that people become aware of them. Right, I mean, you know, become aware of it to like to the extent where, like, literally everybody, if you're walking down a dark alley at yeah. night, right, and yeah. you see a white man in a suit carrying a briefcase, you yeah. probably keep going. Yeah. If you walk down that very same street and even saw an African American in a suit carrying mm -hmm. a briefcase, you might, even the most liberal person in the entire yeah. world, might just think, "Who's that guy?" Oh, it's okay. It's cool, but they just might like so, might even <laughs> for a think moment, so, for they a might, moment. Oh, who's that guy? I mean, every. I mean, and by the way, this is the same with you know people have the same biases against women and Jews. But you know, whatever, I think it, I, I think it's Chris Rock who even said, "Yeah, I, I'd feel the same way." You yeah. know, it, it's it's there are there are, and a lot of these are cultural issues too. You know, but it's, it's, again, uh, it's also women and Jews sure. and gays yeah. and everybody who is not you know who you are. Yeah. You know, so Get Out just indicts that whole thing. It's, just beautiful. Uh, it's great. It's it's very very smart. Yep. Good film. And by the way, I went to the uh, I went to the Blu-ray launch party for this. Oh, cool. So on the Universal lot, <clears throat> they opened up the uh, you know the Desperate Housewives uh, sure. street. Sure. Sure. So they opened up the Desperate Housewives street, and uh, they had uh, it was all outdoors. They had food stations, mm -hmm. and some of the houses were open. You can go into the house, and sure. there's like an art there's like an artwork exhibit, and, yeah. and they were serving desserts. And they had a guy. Uh, they had remember in in, in the film there's um, there's this gardener. Yeah. And he wears like the light light. He wears like the light brown jumpsuit. Mm -hmm. They had him walking around. You can take your picture with him. Uh, the cast was there. Allison Williams was there. Yeah. Kind of mingling around a little bit. So it was Catherine Keener was there. Yep. She plays the mom. That's always nice to see Catherine Keener. Sure. And uh, the guy who plays the dad, uh, he was there also. I forgot his name. Um, Stephen Ruth, I don't think was there. Bradley Whitford, he was there. Ah, uh, yeah. And uh, so it was a fun party. I, I, you know what? Guess who I saw at that party? Who'd you see at that who party? Who hopefully is listening to this right now? Uh, Charles Lazarica. Oh, lovely. Yes. Fantastic. I caught up with Charles. Of course, uh, the great DVD Blu-ray uh, producer. Yeah. Top sh he's like top of the mountain in terms yeah. of Blu-ray and DVD yeah. uh, extra productions and documentaries. He is. He's the man. 
Anyway, so Get Out is very, very highly recommended. Very Love nice. It. Well, we also have uh, we got some other uh, action stuff that's new this week, which you know we're we're in a place right now where what's coming out is by and large a lot of the goop from January, February, and it's not good. Uh, on 4K, we have a movie that really the only thing it has going for it is that it's on 4K. Uh, this is Triple X: The Return of Xander Cage. Do you know how many emails I got about this movie? <laughs> the Hong Kong. Look at photos from the Hong Kong premiere. Look at photos from the Shanghai premiere. Look at photos from the, uh, from the Cape Town premiere. Look at photos from the New York premiere. Look at photos. It's like, who cares? I got, I got dozens and dozens of I emails know. before this movie came out. I know. And in the end, it still sucked, and no one cared. No one watched it. Sam Jackson's in this movie. Yay. You know what? Sam Jackson's in every movie. Yay. It is unbelievable to me how many movies Sam Jackson makes. He, he, he's, in all, he's in the Avenger movies. He's in uh, all the movies that even hint toward the Avengers. He's in Jurassic Park. Uh, he is in Tarzan. He is in Unbreakable. He is in just, he's in every damn thing. It's unbelievable. How does he wind up in everything? He's in the, you know, he's in the, the Kingsman. I mean, it's like. Yeah, but Kingsman's awesome. Kingsman is awesome. But it's like, good grief, he's in everything. Sam Jackson has been in more, honest, you remember that, that statistic that used to be who's been in the most $100 million movies ever made? Remember that used to, sure. and, people, and people would always say, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be Tom Cruise. But it was Joe Pesci. You remember that? It was Joe Pesci for the really? longest time. That was that was the big trivia thing. Like around early nineties, about based twenty. On what? On what, based based on, honestly, if you think about it, Joe Pesci was. It, it's ridiculous. All the Lethal Weapon movies, mm -hmm. and there are all these other movies that Joe Pesci just shows up in. You know, the, the Home Alone movies, right. right? I mean, it was it was funny, and you go, oh yeah, Joe Pesci's in a lot of uh, big movies. It was it was all Joe Pesci. But was, Joe Pesci was not the reason why they made that money. No, like a total but it was. But it's but it's a it's a it's a bait and switch, right? The question right. is who's been in the most, not who's anchored the most, but who's right. been in the most. You right. know, like if Gary Marshall's movies had all made you know a billion dollars, that honor would go to Hector Elizondo. Okay, so it, that's the question. It was, but now it's it's Sam Jackson by a ridiculous margin. Well, because he was in he was in a Star Wars film and the Avengers films, and he and he was in a, and it was in Jurassic Park. And the Avengers. I mean, honestly, that once you start adding everything else in, you're just like, it's you know, why why didn't they put him in the Harry Potter movies? Why didn't he just show up in Lord of the Rings? He should have played Harry Potter. And you know what? He should have he should have he should have played uh, uh, Bilbo or something. Anyway, Vin Diesel, Triple uh, X, Return of Xander Cage. This is not a good film. I I don't understand why this movie even really exists, to be honest. So I guess I guess the idea was that they. Here's the reasoning behind this. So they made Triple uh, X, and it was okay, and it justified another one, but they couldn't get Vin Diesel back because they couldn't afford his salary because he he wasn't like a huge star at the, with the first one, but then he became bigger, and uh, so they hired uh, Ice Cube, who didn't really cut it, and uh, it tanked. But then Vin Diesel went on to be just monstrously successful in the Fast and Furious movies, so somebody thought, hey... He's bringing an audience. Let's just do another triple X and uh, pay him his pay him his rate. Let's just go for broke, and they went for broke, and it was terrible. Uh, and I don't think this did well. But Paramount has been making bad decisions of late. And uh, speaking of Brad Gray, man, I know that was you know if, if, the funny that was thing, a shock. I, I, thing is that he had just left Paramount, and Roger Ailes has just had just left, just left Fox. I well, mean, it's but, almost but his, like the, it's the kiss of death to be fired. No, but here's the thing, though. Roger Ailes, you know, fell, hit his head, and he's 77, and yeah. he died as a result. But with yeah. Brad Gray, he must have left Paramount knowing he had cancer. Yeah, he did. He, he, he must have. He must have. He was never announced. You know, Brad Gray yeah. has cancer. It just suddenly he just died. Yeah. Well, anyway, 
Uh, so this this triple X basically it's it's all the same thing you know it's it, it's all the same kind of high stunt uh, high octane and spy story stuff, which they thought they could get away with and justify it with Vin Diesel because the Fast and the Furious films have gone in the triple X direction right yeah like they have become more triple X than triple X was so I think from a business standpoint I could understand that the the, the decision made some sense but. At the same time, Vin Diesel is not the Fast and the Furious movies. He's one of many. It's an ensemble, and The Rock is almost a bigger star in those movies now. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that you know it's that's more about the franchise. I don't think people are hooked on it. You know, it, this would almost seem like a like an also ran. So um, I understand the business decision didn't really pan out terribly well. The 4K is fine. I mean, it's loud and the audio's great and the 4K is sharp and crisp and the CGI is good. But uh, it, it, you know, it's not uh, it's not a, it's not a thing. So anyway. Uh, we also have Resident Evil, the final chapter. Yeah, I'll believe that. Uh, they're going to make more of these damn things. How many is this? Eight now? Seven? Yeah, I stopped paying it's, attention. It's all the same stuff. Uh, the uh, Mila is getting to be very comfortable in this role. Let me put it that way. Um, there are some Blu-ray exclusives on here. It's all kind of, you know, uh, just generic uh, EPK stuff. Um, it is what it is, you know, Mila Jovovich going crazy with the guns and the post-apocalyptic thing and, uh, you know, uh, there are zombies and it's, it is what it is, you know, Raccoon City and the Hive and all that stuff. It just, it, it goes on and on. I mean, if you're not, if you're not really into this franchise, you're not going to pick it up at this point. Uh, and, uh, what's funny is that there's, there's watch it in retaliation mode is what they, what they say on here. I, you know what, um, Forget it. It's retaliation mode is just is just like a an interactive commentary. It's not it's not anything spectacular. Anyway, um, you know, if you love the franchise, I guess I don't really understand what your deal is. Uh, what else we got, Mark? Oh, oh, you know what? I, I was gonna. I was yeah. Hold on, hold on. I was gonna uh, dovetail from triple X into double uh, X, appropriately enough, which has nothing to do with triple X, uh, but it's a nice segue. Um, so Double uh, X is the uh, is a horror film, and uh, it's pretty imaginative. This comes from Magnolia. This is on Blu-ray, and uh, it is uh, it, it is distinguished only by the fact that it is an it is like an all female all female driven horror anthology uh, of a sort. So there are four stories here. And uh, female directors for all of them, and uh, some better than others. Her, the birthday party, the box, don't fall, and her only living son. The last one, I think, being actually pretty good. Um, but uh, on balance, you know, it's it's a horror anthology, and horror anthologies are what they are. The only thing that I like most about this is the uh, the artwork, the cover artwork, which I think is really really cool because it it very subtly gets the idea across that it's sort of a a it's it's horror with a female twist and there it is mark explain the uh, describe it to people it's a big red lipstick stain that uh, is in the shape of a skull. Yeah. It looks like a monkey skull. Graphically, it's kind of cool, right? It looks like a monkey skull. Cool. It's cool graphics. I, it's better than the movie, actually. But, you know, if you like horror anthologies, this is a, this is, you could do worse. Uh, wait, I'm a big fan of Logan. like this yeah. movie a lot. I know you did. Um, this is the uh, final chapter of the uh, Wolverine saga, directed by uh, James Mangold. 
This is your uh, captain speaking. <laughs> you know, uh, this is based on a uh, uh, comic book series, a Wolverine comic book series. And I have to say that uh, the the big sell with this movie is just uh, the amount of violence. Rated R. And the, the this movie was this this movie was rated R in the first forty five seconds. First yeah. forty five seconds when he takes his claws yeah. and he puts them against the guy's head. Yeah. <laughs> and you see the claws go through his head Pretty like great. in close up with red blood, not like the PG thirteen uh-huh. no blood, yeah. like the actual blood that would happen if you skewered somebody through the skull. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, well we're in our territory now. It's been forty five seconds. Yep. Uh, but uh, so it, it 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 has this dark autumnal quality to it, very dirty, gritty, you know, yeah. a lot of the locations take place in just these dusty, dank, like, the whole movie seems like it takes place about six months before the events of uh, Mad Max. Yeah. Right? It's so desolate. Yeah. It does. It did. It, 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 it's, I, I, again, this, a little bit like, uh, like I was with, um, uh, with uh, Get Out. I was surprised that I liked this as much as I did. It, uh, it's a very unusual direction for the X-Men franchise to go. It takes it in a in an almost it, almost uh, apocalyptic, a very solitary kind of a direction. I, I was I was I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was a great risk. Yeah, you know, and and, and um, I've been complimentary to how uh, Fox has handled the X Men franchise. I, it really the X Men franchise seemed as if it was a little bit more adult they, than the other ones. You know, and they've had some hiccups. Yeah, you know, Apocalypse was a problem. That was not a good film. No. Um, but here's the thing: if there's, of course, the Marvel movies uh, uh, will contradict me. But whenever you have like ten of anything, not they're not all going to be great. <clears throat> yeah, you know. But uh, I feel like Fox has done pretty well by the series, and so Logan I thought was terrific. You know, uh, uh, Hugh Jackman was like 48 years old. That yeah. guy just he just owns that character. Yeah, he it's is great. that guy. Well, but it's time for him to start doing other things too. Time and uh, you know, look when you look at look at Hugh Jackman, he plays. Not only does he, that guy runs the gamut. I don't think he he gets the appreciation he deserves. Not only does he play Logan, mm-hmm. right, Wolverine, the badass of the badass, one of the most badass characters yeah. in all the comics. He goes from that to the tortured father and prisoners, yeah, to a, like, a, a gay singer, Peter, a gay, yeah. gay, you know, gay yeah. Australian singer, Peter he makes, Allen. He's a great actor. He's got he's a, a lot of range. Actor. I don't think he's really appreciated for it. I think he's terrific all the time. So four disc, uh, 4K set. They really uh, pull out all the stops. This includes the Logan Noir version, which is like the Mad Max uh, chrome steel whatever version. This is a thing now that people are doing black and white versions of these movies. I don't really understand the point of that. Could make you explain money? that to me? Yeah, make yeah, money. But, but, but really, look, look. For the longest time, everybody was colorizing movies, right? And that was the thing when Ted Turner started doing that, and people just cried foul. Now we're actually taking color movies and we're making black and white versions. Well, I don't understand the point of that because I, 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 well, the the idea is that the 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 black and white I would imagine would bring out some of the noir qualities, of the movie, you know, whereas colorization just seemed like a big, big marketing trick. This you you would hope that they're doing it because they see how it might actually enhance the. The, you know, thematic experience of watching yeah. the film. All right. Well, I'm going to now talk about a cat and three dogs. Okay. Doggy. You ready for this? Doggy. So the cat is a Blu-ray of a movie called A Street Cat Named Bob. Doggy. Uh, and uh, the character of Bob the cat Doggy. is played by, Mark, Doggy. tell people who plays Bob the cat. Bob? That's right. Thank you. So dumb. <laughs> I hate all cats. They're so dumb. 
Uh, this is with Luke Treadaway. Uh, I don't know who Luke Treadaway is. I don't even know what the book is that this is allegedly based on. There's like some book, but anyway, um, you know, it's about a guy who finds a finds a, a, a stray cat uh, just out in the streets, and uh, it is one of it's basically then a dog movie with a cat, uh, and uh, you know, this cat of course is very perceptive and changes his life and helps him get back to health and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it is, it's a little bit maudlin. Um, the cat is not exactly, you know, you can always tell that dogs are easier to train than cats. The, the cats are just basically untrainable for the purposes of movies. So you, I always imagine that there's a guy holding a little, you know, can of friskies somewhere just out of frame uh, to make the cat do whatever they needed to do. But anyway, uh, you know, I, it, it's not the worst I've seen. It's not even remotely great. But uh, I enjoy cats more than I enjoy dogs for the most part, much to my wife's chagrin. So I'm going to give this kind of a wiggly thumb up. Um, Max 2, White House Hero. Doggy! I'll tell you, boy, I had so much fun with this. This is on Blu-ray and DVD and Ultraviolet. And I just, I, I really didn't care for this at all. Uh, so this is a this is a sequel to a movie uh, that I'm sure we probably talked about on this podcast, which I just have no recollection of. And uh, so you know, Max was apparently popular enough with the kids that they came out with Max too. Whatever. It's like all those Disney. You know, uh, they, they they first they came out with um, well, they bought it at AFM. Actually, it wasn't even originally a Disney movie, but the uh, the, the Air Bud. And then we got with the, you know, Bud was doing all the different sports. And then it was, yeah, Air, he was playing and, basketball. Then it was Air Buddies. They made them into puppies. And it just it went completely off the rails. So anyway, it's German Shepherd, Max. Uh, what do you want to know? He's He's got a new assignment to be on the Secret Service detail of the president. And, and it just gets absolutely ridiculous. There are, you know, kids involved. One of them is the kid of the president and the other one's a kid of a foreign dignitary and it's and, and then everybody gets to play spy kids because they uncover a plot. It, completely absurd and ridiculous and you're only watching it for the dog. Um, and uh, really no extras to speak of other than the fact that it's an ultraviolet and you get to add it to your library so that you can watch it anytime you want. Let's say you, you have your phone, you're standing in line at the post office and you just got an urge to watch something and you pull up that ultraviolet library and you go through all your ultraviolet stuff and you go oh yeah there's this and there's logan and no and the star wars and no. max 2 that's what i'm gonna watch before i get to the uh, front of the line you know in 4k at home watching this movie is actually more realistic than having a dog i know like an actual dog in your it's home amazing, on right? your lap not it's as in, not as realistic as actually it's watching incredible this movie. and even better is the animated film rock dog this is our second of the three dogs uh, Rock Dog is great. Uh, voice talent by uh, J.K. Simmons, Luke Wilson, Eddie Izzard, and Keenan Thompson. You will notice there is no voice talent, significant voice talent, being marketed by women because there is no reason that any woman would want to watch this movie. They have too much common sense. <laughs> so, uh, Luke Wilson is the the voice of Bodhi, who is a Tibetan mastiff. Uh, that wants to be a rock star, and he just wants to get out of Tibet and become a rock star. Did you hear me? He wants to come out of Tibet and be a rock star. I, you can't get your show sold. I, it's unbelievable. So uh, Louis Black is probably the best thing about this because he plays the bad guy. He plays the wolf. But uh, you know what? This is just... It's not to be believed, and it's not even very good animation. I just don't know how this stuff happens. And here's our third dog. 
Our third dog, Mark, is this Blu-ray I have here, this Blu-ray uh, DVD and uh, ultraviolet combo set of The Space Between Us. The doggies between us. And there, of course, is no dog in this. That was a, a pun for those who may be uh, comedically challenged. Um, this is really unfortunate. I had a lot of hope for this thing, uh, in large part because I like everybody who's in it. I really like Britt Robertson. I think she's wonderful. I think, uh, is it Asa or Aza Butterfield? How do you pronounce his name? Asa Butterfield. Asa Butterfield. So I like him too, even though he's becoming kind of like the go-to weird-looking sci-fi kid, you know, right? That's well, he kinda... was in um, uh, he was in the Scorsese thing, Hugo. Yeah. yeah, he was in Hugo, and then he was also in, in that space thing, yeah. uh, based on the IP. Harrison yeah. Ford was in it. Forgot yes, the name exactly. Of it. And Ben Kingsley. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and so he's that's what he does. He's like he's like the you know the genre kid with the with the with the eyes and the whole thing, and he's kind of becoming typecast as that. And the idea here is you know he's a kid who grew up on Mars in a Martian colony. And he's got to come back to Earth, and he has his romance with the girl, Britt Robertson. It should be a sweet thing, right? There's all kinds of material to mine there. I can see this being an amazing pitch. I can see being in the room when this is pitched, and you go, oh, that sounds amazing. And then it just isn't. Winds up not being amazing. Uh, for all kinds of reasons that are just not worth getting into. Uh, Gary Oldman is part of the problem. I love Gary Oldman, but not in this part in particular. I want him to be... I want him to be uh, in the Batman movies again. That's what I want. He was great in those. Anyway, uh, yeah, so it's not it's not quite the sci-fi film that it should be. It's not sort of sweet enough or romantic enough, and it's a little too schmaltzy when it shouldn't be, and, and it's not schmaltzy enough when it should be, and it's all kind of... I don't care. Yeah, but anyway... Stop talking um, about this film. So that's from STX, distributed by Universal. STX making a trying to make a go of things uh, theatrically. They, of course, did the Circle, which is is why I'm I'm on my sabbatical from social media. They ain't no A24. We like that's A24. it. We like A24 very much. Yeah. They won Best Picture. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Big article in uh, I think Vanity Fair about A24. Oh, really? Yes, that's very nice. I finally found out what A24 means. What does it mean? It's a uh, uh, when the uh, the guy who runs the company. He was uh, driving. He was driving down the A24 roadway in Italy uh-huh. when he had the brainstorm to start a company. Really? Yes. Wow. He calls it A24. Well, there you go. Uh, the Great Wall with Matt Damon, terrible film, and now it was a big deal because this was a uh, collaboration between the U.S. And, this and tanked. China. It tanked. Wait, don't you understand? It's the U.S. and China, the two biggest movie-going populations in the world. Coming, Matt Damon. Global Zhongyi Mao, Zhongyi Mao, right? Yeah, coming to get Great Wall. Andy Lau, Andy Lau, terrible. <laughs> it's just weird. first of all, uh, Chinese audiences, so they didn't even bother. They didn't bother because they didn't which, like which, Matt Damon, in, which raises my respect for them a little bit. As callow as I know as Chinese audiences can be, as sort of as mercenary as they can be, the fact that they saw this movie and said, "You know what? That's we, that, that's even too much for us. We we're not going to fall for that." I got to kind of applaud them. It's true. Although it's funny what's happening in China now, which is that I feel like it's cooled off. It has cooled off. It's cooled off a little yeah. bit. I feel like the trust is not there that that, that China would accurately uh, account for the amount the amount of money that the American distributors well, were really it, owed. This is a big bigger discussion, and I won't detour too much from this. But it's cooled off for a lot of reasons. And once again, I don't know why people don't listen to me. I predicted all of this. It's cooled off for a number of reasons, which is eventually every market starts to reach a saturation point, Right. Uh, China is not an infinitely growing market. 
So it's you can only build so many theaters for so many people. You you know you still gotta you can't build a theater for every person in China. Eventually you you saturate the available movie going audience. And yes, more and more people are having disposable income, and you're pulling a lot of people out of poverty. But they have other things to do with their money as well. So there is going to start to be a slowdown where the exponential growth just isn't exponential anymore, and it becomes just modest growth, which you can get out of the United States as well. So, so they're starting to hit that point. They've built as many theaters as they can build, and people are, you know, as many people are going to see movies as they're going to go see movies. But the other thing is, China was always just using Hollywood to invest in its own movie-going infrastructure. And then it was going to do the same thing that India has always done, which is start making homegrown movies for homegrown audiences. And at that point, there's not a lot of room left for Hollywood movies. They've, they've encountered this in South Korea as well. Well, but here's the thing. In China, they, they only allow, you know, let's say 36 yeah. movies – non-Chinese movies into the country per year Correct. anyway. So it's not like it's being the market's flooded in China with American film. I think the studios always thought that they could talk them out of that. That they could talk them to the next level by just playing Well, the they game. did. I mean, I, didn't it start at 24, then it went up to 36? It's never going to get to 500. No. Let's put it that way. No, it is not. It's never going to be. Not unless there's a, you know, a revolution that overthrows the government. And especially when they keep making movies like The Great Wall. <gasps> where, uh, where, like... Matt Damon looks like this, you know, this angry suburban dad who lost his uh, sports bottle in, 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 his, in his minivan. He's just really not good in this role. And it's got all sorts of monsters, and uh, it just becomes a monster movie and a an historical epic. And Willem Dafoe is in this for some reason. And, you know, the problem is that, you know, with these sorts of movies, I don't want to see CGI spectacle. I would much rather see really cool fighting and... You know, long, you know, Jackie Chan type chi- type takes of just just hand to hand stuff. But yeah, I mean, you, you, there's nothing. Even Zhang Yimao is just is phoning it in. There's nothing you can't get here from an average yeah. a- episode of Game of Thrones. By the way, speaking of Game of Thrones, now wait, here's the thing. Yeah, I had never seen Breaking Bad. Uh huh. Never seen it. Yep. Everyone says to me, Mark, now see Breaking Bad. Yep. Greatest thing ever. You will do- now certain shows, and you guys have all been in this situation. Certain shows, if you don't see it by a certain time, you feel as if the ship has sailed and you, yeah. you just missed it. Yeah. Right? I felt the way about Breaking Bad. Uh, I felt and that way about Sopranos, too. Sopranos, yeah, which yeah. I've never seen. Yeah. Bra- I figure Breaking Six Bad. Six Feet Under. There's a few of them. Didn't see it. I, I don't have HBO. I'm poor. I don't have HBO. Yeah. Bonanza. Uh, I've seen everyone twice. Okay. No. So anyway, but online, there is a two-hour supercut. All six seasons of Breaking Bad yeah. condensed into a two-hour film. Right. Now, the guy did it with all the best artis- artistic intentions. He didn't, yeah. He's not doing it to make money. He's doing it because he loves the show. And here's – so I watched it. I, so I feel mm-hmm. like I have now seen yeah. Breaking Bad. Very good. Two hours of it. Just good. two hours, the broad strokes. It, 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 two-thirds of it makes sense. You basically watched a movie version of the old Reader's Digest condensed books. Yes. Yeah. Which I get it. They made a little less sense. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, it's still uh, – you know, what is it? Yeah. It's still 60 hours of television condensed yeah. into two. Uh, but it's good. Yeah, Brian Cranston owns that thing. Yeah, that is his move. That is his show, man. That is his puppy. Good. All right, so I'm going to uh, blow through a bunch of stuff here. It's also all new to DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, not worth too much attention, but uh, I just want to let you know it's out there. Uh, Starlight really is. Uh, it's a, a little indie on Blu-ray. No reason to see this other than the fact that Iggy Pop is in it. If you're an Iggy Pop fan, you'll you'll kind of uh, I guess dig the weirdness of it but uh, otherwise it's just uh it's a relatively small intimate kind of uh fringy character piece and uh, with iggy pop playing kind of a, a a crazy dude 
and and that, that's it. And then it gets it takes kind of a weird little uh, unconventional twist. And uh, you know, I, I guess really, if it weren't for Iggy Pop, I'm not even sure I would have much cared about it. Um, then we also have Beyond the Gates. Press play and pray. Uh, this is a, uh, a from IFC Midnight. This is a really kind of a cheesy, low-budget horror thing that, that might have really belonged to the 1960s. Uh, but anyway, uh, collaboration between IFC Midnight and Scream Factory Division of Shout Factory, and it's trying for a little bit of a uh, cult status on uh, on Blu-ray now. I um. I think it may get it because Barbara Crampton is in it. And Barbara Crampton, you know, who was in uh, Reanimator, she's kind of a a festival, not even a festival person, but like a convention person. You know, she's like one of those names people just know from, like Linnea Quigley, right? She's one of those names people just know from Linnea a certain... Quigley. <laughs> you remember Linnea Quigley, right? Yeah, the original Scream Queen. Uh, she's one of those. I mean, look, Linnea Quigley doesn't even work anymore. She just signs photographs at conventions. She's it's all seventy, something like that. <laughs> I don't, I don't want not, to see her in a bikini. <laughs> she's not 70. She's probably about 50. I'm going to uh, right now. Yeah, do that. Let me know. 70. She's not 70. 30 years ago, she was like in her 20s. She's in her 50s. In any case. Uh, she's 58. So, 58. So there you go. That's, she probably looks pretty good, too. Right? No. No? Uh, I'm not sure. How, how is that possible? <laughs> I don't know. So Barbara Crampton is in this, and the idea is that uh, this guy disappears, and then uh, his his sons, uh, who haven't really been talking to each other, they uh, try to figure out uh, what happened to him by looking for clues in the old video store that he owned and operated. And uh, that's when you know this gets this becomes kind of like a weird variation on the uh, on the on the circle or the circle on the ring circle is still in my head. Anyway, uh, Mermaid's Tale is no Little Mermaid. Uh, this is just one of those kind of weird family-friendly splash rip-offs that uh, you get from Grindstone Entertainment. They, Grindstone just grinds this stuff out. I, I get why they're called Grindstone now. Uh, they typically do more of the action-oriented stuff, the Steven Seagal stuff, the Bruce Willis stuff. But now and again, they'll come up with a family thing. And this is one of them. So, uh, you know, again, it's it's nice to see Jerry O'Connell getting work, but honestly, this is this is just a low budget straight to video version of Splash. It's okay. Uh, it, I've seen worse. And then lastly, Extortion. Um, here's somebody who just will take anything for a paycheck now. Danny Glover. Can you believe that? And Barkat and, and and Barkat Abdi is in this as well. I He's he, Barkat Abdi. I understand that he is not the most castable guy. You know, he could still be living over on the coast of Somalia and and really just be, you know, wondering what it's like. He got one role in a movie that got him an Oscar nomination, and that guy has taken it to the bank, and good for him. Uh, Danny Glover, I'm a little bit more sad about. And then Eon Bailey is the uh, the other guy in this. Um, you know, standard, standard issue, uh, tough thriller, as Grindstone might have made. Uh, it takes place in the Caribbean, so there's a nice, interesting, you know, backdrop to it. But uh, otherwise, it's... Still, just a just a ransom movie, and um, you know, not terribly well done. All right, Mark, let's go to some some concerty stuff. Concerty stuff. Wait, Frank Sinatra. Ask your grandparents. Frank Sinatra Collection Volume One and Two. The Frank Sinatra Collection Volume One includes the Timex shows. Volume One, Frank Sinatra Timex show, and an afternoon with Frank Sinatra. Uh, these are great. These are from uh, 1959, uh, October and December, respectively. And there's so many great songs here. Inca, he sings Inca Dinka Do. No kidding. I love that song, Inca Dinka Do. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Dean Martin, 
Bing Crosby, Jimmy Durante, all here on uh, volume one. Volume two, very similar. Um, Timex uh, shows volume two along with something called Welcome Home Elvis. Now, this is from 1960, where um, it was Frank's uh, fourth and last Timex special. It was um, the f it was uh, Elvis Presley's first TV appearance since returning home from military service. As you know, uh, Elvis uh, did serve in the military. Um, so it's great. Elvis performs a couple songs on here, Stuck on You. Um, and then the two of them kind of sing witchcraft together, which is a really a interesting moment in time. So yeah, so if you're a Frank Sinatra fan, uh, I bet you have not seen these in a long time, if not ever. So I would at least consider a rental. These are probably pretty cheap too. Uh, the Frank Sinatra collection and the uh, uh, volumes one and two. So this is good stuff from the late uh, 50s and early 60s. Peter Lawford's on this. Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, awesome. Sammy's the best. Love it, Rolling. Sammy. Sammy really was the best, wasn't he? I uh, of, of all the Rat Packers, Sammy was was he was the man. I, and, and you know, I, as much as I certainly don't want to ever encourage anyone to smoke, it has killed people near and dear to me, and uh, it's a horrible habit, and it's bad for you, and don't do it. But there is, in a purely aesthetic way, there's there's something there's something just sort of endearing about. Seeing Dean Martin and Sinatra and Sammy when they're all on stage together and they've got a martini in one hand and a cigarette in the other and they're just singing and whipping it up. That whole, the whole aesthetic of that is there's a certain nostalgia factor that is just almost irresistible. I disagree, Wade. I think uh, smoking makes you cool. It uh, makes you seem adult. Uh, when you when I, I know that when I see like a sixteen year old girl smoking, I think to myself, wow, she is just a woman. You want to plant your lips on that, don't She's you? She's a woman. Yeah. That is a woman. <laughs> And it's all because of smoking. Yeah. Anyway, Rolling Stones, Olay, Olay, Olay. This is a, a documentary film um, by Paul Dugdale, and a terrific one at that, about uh, the Stones and their uh, trip to um, uh, uh, Latin America. A lot of good stuff here, a lot of good concert footage, a lot of great... Uh, it's funny, these guys are just... I mean, Keith Richards, I think, I think Keith Richards has actually been dead for about 10 years. And we just don't know it. You know, he's they, a, they, he's he's like animatronic. The question is, is he in the new Pirates movie as well? Because he was in two other. He was in the last two. He keeps showing up. I, I think they 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 just they, they got to keep putting him in. I I once heard a story that that he is so old and his playing is so bad that they they that in live concerts they they auto tune him as he. That's plays. not even a, that's not even a story. That's true. Yeah. They do. He, they auto tune. They auto tune oh, yeah. him as he plays. He's so oh, bad yeah. now. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he's, 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 he's just going through the motions up there. Oh, but still, he's the best. Anyway, so this uh, the film culminates in a, uh, in, a, in a concert in Havana, and that was kind of right on the heels of Obama's trip there. And uh, it, it, what's funny is that it, uh, a trip across Latin America that ends in Cuba kind of gives a whole fresh context to the Rolling Stones, because normally it's just about, you know, they tour, and then aren't they great, and whatever, but uh, there's sort of a, they don't skimp on the historical and political details that give it kind of uh, a little bit more... Um, heft than uh, what you usually get in these sorts of uh, rock documentaries. So I would um, definitely check out, if you're a Stones fan, uh, Ole Ole Ole. And if nothing else, you get a lot of great music. You know, there's a great acoustic version of Honky Tonk Woman in this. And uh, yeah, Ole Ole Ole. It's good stuff. Sweet. Nice. The Who. The Who. Um, I, th I think The Who are going on tour. Are think, they? Uh, you know what? I think, I think uh, Townsend and, um, and Daltrey, they're still out there. I remember because uh, when I was a kid, I thought The Who was the greatest damn thing that ever happened in the world. I love them so much. And then, but it was years until I finally saw them. Yeah. Right? And when I saw them, I was like, they're terrible. Really? Live. Because they were older and they weren't smashing uh -oh. guitars anymore. 
By the way, they are going to be in uh, San Francisco in August. <gasps> August 13th, they'll be in San Francisco. Nice. <gasps> They're doing five days in Vegas. Oh. You should go. Go for it. Do it. I, I think I might have to. Seriously. Yeah. The Who at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace in uh, five days in August. Five nights. Uh, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six. I'm all over that. Yeah. Um, I have to make a bookmark. Anyway, uh, the Who uh, Isle of Wight tour 2004. This is um, live at the Isle of Wight Festival. And um, this was, you know, they've been old for 20 years now. But um, there's still something, you know, the thing with Townsend is that he really, even though he's become this elder statesman of rock, he still kind of, he can still jam. He can still jam. He doesn't look like a grizzled old buzzard like uh, Keith right. Richards. Mm-hmm. So even though you've heard stuff like, you know, Who Are You, like epic songs like Who Are You and Baba O'Reilly or 515, Love Rain Over Me, these are all like epic six-minute songs, you yep. know? Uh, they, they, they still just, they still really bring it, I have to say. Um, so if you're a Who fan, I would definitely go for this. To, you know, Roger Daltrey, he can't necessarily hit the notes that he used to be able to hit when he was a younger man, but um, he's compensated. And even Townsend, when he when he, when he jumps up and down, you know, like a like, like like a younger man, sometimes that can seem a little pathetic. You know, when you watch like a sixty-year-old yep. man jump yep. down like he's twenty-five. But you know mm-hmm. what? Townsend doesn't, man. He's just a guy's just a rock and roll lifer. He is one of my. He is probably my rock uh, god. I, as you have Townsend said before, rock god. I hear that. So yeah, rock I would recommend this. I mean, there's plenty of uh, who stuff, uh, who conscious stuff out there, but um, Isle of Wight is a, is definitely a good one. All right, so I love going to the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, I have taken my daughter there twice. She's been there twice uh, before her fourth birthday, which is pretty good. Once to see ELO and once to see uh, Danny Elfman. So how about that, right? I don't get it. Hopefully going to do a few more this summer. Uh, in any case, she didn't really appreciate ELO. She kept asking, you know, it's like a lot of 50 and 60-year-olds around her totally rocking out. And she just kept saying, is it over? Is it done? Are we going home now? I, too funny. I love them. Yeah, I do too. Oh, anyway, it's ELO. They, they, they made the they made the Rock and Roll well, Hall of Fame. Final. We're not talking about ELO here. We're talking about uh, different uh, different uh, Hollywood Bowl concert. But this is Gustavo Dudamel in the Los Angeles Philharmonic oh, uh, Tango bad. under Tango under the Stars. This was <sighs> this is really good. I didn't see this live, but I wish I had. Uh, C Major has released this, and it is a wonderful concert. Now, Gustavo, you have to understand how how uh, the, the L.A. Philharmonic here has a certain profile. So for the longest time, we had Esapeka Salonen, who sort of reinvented the Philharmonic, and he brought this very European sensibility to it, and he was, you know, so... European, the conductor, and serious, and it, and suddenly we felt like, wow, we're like the London Philharmonic. We have culture, and then uh, the Esapeka era ended, and he moved on, and they hired Gustavo Dudamel, who is Argentine, and he came with this South American flourish, and everything was hot and spicy and exciting and exhilarating. And you remember the banners that were all over L.A. when Gustavo came. Sure. Like, the, the the shot of him was like his hair was flying because he was in he was in action conducting. Yes. Like Esapeka, it was always head bowed, very serious, and his baton in the air, and it was we're we're oh so arty and so, you know, very extended pinky. And Gustavo shows up, and it's that still of him, and his hair is just, it's like it's like he's being whipped by a hurricane while he's directing, and Good it was. For him. And it was great. That's his. That's his image. You know, sure. he's got that big mane of hair, and he is a lot of fun. And especially directing, uh, conducting all of the uh, the tango oriented stuff. The reason I want to mention this one in particular, uh, they have music by by you know composers who composery people would know. If you're a classical music fan, you'll know you know Piazzolla and Ginastera. Oh and, yeah. You know, 
But you know, you don't often think about Lalo Schifrin, do you? Oh. There's a couple of great Lalo Schifrin pieces here. Uh, the, the Concerto for Guitar and Orchestra Number no. 2 is, uh, w- this was a world premiere of the uh, Concerto della Amistad. And uh, it, it really, it's just uh, really great stuff. Really great stuff. And, you know, I've been listening to a lot of Lalo Schifrin in the car, but it's all that 70s stuff. You Why know? are you listening to Lalo Schifrin? What, 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 how, how just random is that? Because, you know, like, like I've been listening to the score for Bullet and the score for Dirty Harry. You know what? I really I, I, to I, his music for, for various TV shows, you know, Streets. watched Bullet, like, oh, Streets of San Francisco? Yeah. Good score. Yeah. I mean, it's a good theme. Yeah. Not yeah. as good as Jerry Goldsmith's theme for Barnaby Jones. True. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, like uh, Enter the Dragon. I mean, there's a lot yeah, of great Lalo Schifrin stuff. Uh, but by, by the way, I rewatched yes. Bullet. I mean, this is like three years ago. I rewatched Bullet. Boring. Really? Yes. Boring. What's wrong with you? Who are you? It's, not, it's, it's, it's boring. You know, but based on our modern sensibility now, it's boring. Nothing happens. It's still a great chase scene. Well, sure. Uh, but here's we, the thing. Yes. French Connection has a great chase scene, but there's a lot of more interesting stuff going on around it. Oh, okay. Crap. Is that my phone or your phone? That's your phone. Oh, you know what? That's the phone that uh, the only person who has this number yes. are telemarketers and people who I don't want to have my cell phone number. That's interesting. I have, a, I have a separate number. Yeah. I pay 20 bucks a month for VoIP. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's when some jerk wants my number or some telemarketer, that's the number they get. You know, uh, I'm going to give you some advice. Who's, who's your uh, VoIP uh, provider? Voice Pulse. Voice Pulse. Check in with Voice Pulse and see if they subscribe to uh, if you have Nomo Robo, because Nomo Robo is a free service that is provided to a lot of voice pro- uh, VoIP providers that will intercept and cancel out all of those uh, telemarketing calls. But how do they know it's a telemarketing call? I don't know, but they've got. The, let me let me put it this way: Ever since I signed up with the, with Nomo Robo through Voipo, I'm, I'm with Voipo. Uh, I I see the calls on the log that come in that never actually ring, and there's about twenty per day. That's what it's doing. It's intercepting about 20 telemarketing calls per day that never get to me. It is brilliant. You know what I get? I get telemarketing calls on my iPhone. I know. It's lame, right? You'd think that Apple would somehow find a way around that. Anyway, uh, some operas here real quickly. Excuse me before we get into uh, some classic movies to wrap things out. Um, And maybe some foreign if we can uh, get to it. Olivo y Pasquale. This is a uh, Donizetti opera. Uh, this is the first modern performance of this, allegedly, with the Orchestra dell'Accademia Teatro alla Scala. And uh, this is, they say this is the 1827 Neapolitan version. Uh, this is a revision based on contemporary material. So I, I am not enough of a Donizetti fan to know what that means necessarily, and I wasn't going to necessarily do the research because there wasn't time. But that said, it's, uh, it is a lovely staging. The uh, art direction is amazing. If you're an opera fan and you really, really love you know, great, great design, you're going to go crazy for this. Oh, wait. That was, that was from a rescue mission in the 805 area code. Uh-huh. There you go. Rescue See? mission. Someone's going to— Oh, someone... it says block caller. Should I block it? You could do that. Yeah, it says block caller. So when, whenever, whenever somebody calls me, it, Voice Pulse emails me to tell me— who called me, mm-hmm. and if they left the message, and I can play the message. And then Zubin Mehta, the great Zubin Mehta, uh, works with uh, stage director Johannes Erath and the Bayerische Staatsorchestra, that's a orchestra in Bayern Munich, uh, for production of Giuseppe Verdi's Anballo in Mascara, which is also lovely, and of course, it is because it's Verdi, it is amazing music. Uh, really, really beautiful. And uh, I have that, something amazing. Uh, no, no, don't go, no, don't go there. Don't go there. In my and then, pants. No. And then lastly, the uh, chorus also in Bayern Munich, the Chord Bayerischen Rundfunks, 
I just wanted to say Rundfunks. Uh, it does a performance only on DVD, not on Blu-ray, of uh, Bach's Johannes Passion, which is gorgeous, and it is just amazing and touching and profound, and uh, there are a few more moving ways to spend two and a half hours with classical music. All right, um, Mark, yes. we have some amazing movies this week to talk about. You know what movie just came and went? What? T2, Train Spotting. Uh, yeah, and kind of kind of deservedly. I I didn't dislike it, but it's it ain't all that. By the way, can we, can we talk about the uh, Criterion August titles that were just yeah, announced? sure, go ahead. Uh, we have uh, this is August Criterion. Yep. Hopscotch, fun movie, right? Nineteen eighty. Yep. Right, Walter Matthau, sure. Glenda Jackson, fantastic. I think Glenda Jackson's starting to um, act again. That would be great. She needs to. Well, she's like seventy or something. She's she's like Linnea Linnea Quigley age. Mm-hmm. Uh, get this, Sid and Nancy, right? Yeah, Alex, yep. Alex Cox, Sid and Nancy. That's going to be awesome. 4K digital restoration. Yep. Uh, Breaking Point, Michael, yep. Michael Curtiz. Yep. Good stuff. So it's Harry Morgan. Uh, Meantime, the Mike Lee film. Yep. And uh, La Poisson. See, how do you uh, pronounce poison versus fish? They sound the same. Yeah. Right? Does yeah. Po- okay, poison. Right? right? Yeah. Fish is like La Poisson, right? Yep. What's poison? Totally. What's poison? True. Yep. Right. Yep. So what? How do you know if you're ordering? If you go to a restaurant in France, you're ordering fish. You're ordering poison. How do you know? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying these are the things yeah. that I think of. Yeah. Uh, you know what you should be thinking of, Wade? What should I be thinking of? Buying the Unforgiven on uh, Ultra 4K. Okay. Because it's awesome. There you go. Unforgiven is uh, so pretty much. Um, this is Clint Eastwood's complete and utter deconstruction of the previous 30 years of his career. And uh, it's with Gene Hackman, my all-time favorite, and uh, Best. with uh, Morgan Freeman as well. So this thing won four Academy Awards, including Best Picture, and uh, it looks great on 4K. Does look great enough for you to upgrade? Um, um, I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say uh, yes because I love this movie. Yeah. Anyway, no, this is just gripping stuff. I just think this movie just takes the 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 morality of the western and just turns it on its head t- and, and t- tells it for what it really is. And this is just one of the great Westerns of all time. Unforgiven, 25th anniversary, 4K. Gotta love it. Gotta buy it. Um, yeah. I, I agree. I, I just I, The idea of Unforgiven on 4K is just so delicious. And, uh, and it's ultraviolet, too. You get to add it to your ultraviolet library. And this movie has not aged a day in 25 years. It's still one of the best Best Picture winners of the last 30, 40 years. Now, wait. I watch oh, yeah. all of Get This, Wade. You'll be proud yep. of me. Yep. Heat. Yeah. The director's definitive edition. Yeah. I watched all of it. Did you? I did. It's great. And this thing looks super, super sharp on 4K. This is one where I, I, I would upgrade. I still don't. I still have a problem with the shootout in downtown L.A., which I know everyone loves. And my, sh- my problem is this. Why don't the cops come up behind them? Because the bad guys would just turn around and kill them. No, but but you know what I'm saying? That whole shootout is just like it's like a like two fronts in a war. But the cops would... There's no reason why they can't come up behind him and block the street off. Like logistically, the 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 geography of that shootout doesn't make sense. I know it's a really cool scene, but I just I it still doesn't make sense. Anyway, I don't want to ruin your, it. Your 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 love of this film will probably depend on how how invested you are in the relationship between Pacino and his uh, wife. Yeah, because he spends a lot. I mean, it's a three hour film. He spends a lot of time with Pacino and the wife, mm-hmm. and also with uh, De Niro with Amy Brenneman. 
Yeah. If you care about if you care about those, here's the thing: it's easy to care about De Niro and Pacino together. It's easy to care about the gunfights. It's easier. It's easy to care about the suspenseful stuff. If you really care about the relationship between those two and their women, if you are invested in that, you will think this thing is a masterpiece. This is when Pacino was doing starting to do a little too much yelling. He too. was. He, you know, he was. He was making the turn. Yes. He, he was making the turn. Yeah. And now it's now it's just gone. Yeah. That whole TV scene, I I can't. Uh... I'm not as huge a fan of this as a lot of people are, uh, but I get it. I, I, I understand why they are. It's uh, you know. although if you see Pacino on Broadway, which I have a couple times, yeah, he, he doesn't do any of that. Well, no, well, well, which is funny because, you know, obviously on, on stage you want to project to the back row, True. right? Whereas in yeah. film you want to kind of stay small because yeah. you're 40 feet in the air, you know, yeah. 40 feet high. But Pacino does it the other way around. On stage he's very small, and in in film he just goes over the top. Mark, we have a giveaway. Give it to me. We're giving away two copies of The me. Godfather and Godfather 2. Lame. You want to send us an email to gods at digigods.com. Uh, put uh, Godfather in the subject line. Put your name and mailing address in the body of the email. Make sure that we get it uh, no later than, let me get this cut off correct. Uh, make sure that we get it no later than. Uh, Friday, May 26th. As long as it is date stamped Friday, May 26th, uh, and we get the email by then, I will be able to get Paramount to send two very lucky people a copy of The Godfather and Godfather 2 on Blu-ray, their 45th anniversary editions. And, uh, you know, these are the, I mean, these are still the restored versions. They look amazing. They are beautiful. Uh, these are really, really nice. I mean, they, they you know, it's slipped cover and the whole thing it's this is a this is a really nice pair and you uh you will not be disappointed uh i the you know commentary by coppola on both of these these have been out before they're out again now new packaging and look do i really need to explain why the godfather is great yes no they're amazing they're beautiful uh and uh, it's especially i will say let me let me put it this way these blu-rays look better than a lot of 4ks and um, I was fortunate enough to sit in, as I have mentioned before, on uh, for a little bit of the restoration of The Godfather Part Two, and uh, it, you know they they worked it, and it is an amazing, meticulous, tedious process. But boy, what a what a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous result it is! So, American classics. They suck. You totally know, there's amazing. something about The Godfather. When The Godfather's on TV, and you're flipping around, and you just see The Godfather, you just stop. It's true, and then you're screwed for, and then you're screwed for the next hour because you just can't. <laughs> hour, stop. three hours. Anyway, uh, we got some compilation sets here. I'll uh, knock these out real quickly. Uh, Kung Fu Zombies is seven movies that deal with uh, Kung, Kung Fu, Fu and zombies: Shaolin versus Evil Dead one and two, and Kung Fu Zombie and Kung Fu from Beyond Beyond the Grave. This is all junk. This is all you know. Uh, exploitation stuff. Some of it relatively recent, uh, but it is. Uh, it's it's a it's a hoot. It's a riot. All oh, that's from Mill Creek. Uh, Soviet Spies for a Film Collection. This is, these are real movies. There's uh, Little Nikita uh, and uh, The Russian Specialist, Man on a String, uh, and the, the weird one here, A Dandy in Aspic. Um, but these are all real studio films, uh, three of them from Columbia Pictures. Uh, about a Dandy in Aspic is kind of a weird, forgotten uh, spy film with Lawrence Harvey and Mia Farrow and very young Mia Farrow and Tom Courtney. Um, Little Nikita, of course, is uh, you know Sidney Poitier and River Phoenix. 
And uh, Man on a String, Ernest Borgnine, Colleen Dewhurst, and then The Russian Specialist is the more recent one, which is not terrible, to be honest. That's with Dolph Lundgren and uh, Ben Cross. Compared to a lot of Dolph Lundgren stuff, you could do worse. So anyway, that's a nice compilation for people who like that stuff. Payback Time, triple feature. Uh, it has Rutger Hauer and Blind Fury, basically playing, you know, the blind guy with the samurai sword, which was a fun film at the time. Uh, Jan Michael Vincent and White Line Fever, which is uh, totally dates very poorly, but it's still kind of a fun film. And then my all-time favorite, Chuck Norris and Silent Rage, which is a riot, a stone-cold riot. If you have not seen Silent Rage with Chuck Norris, with the guy that looks like Mick Jagger, who gets this special serum that makes him impossible to kill, and then Chuck is like knocking him down a well and dragging him from the back of a of a truck and shooting him with the shotguns. It just cannot kill this guy. It's an absolute riot. It's a hoot. This movie. It is just beyond hilarious. So uh, all three of those on a on a Blu-ray, no less, from Mill Creek. Not bad. Uh, Wade, uh, Streets of Fire is a uh, film yes. that. Uh, that did not do very well upon its initial release, but it has since. Uh, I can hear the music in my head. It has since. All that Jim Steinemann stuff. <laughs> it has since accrued kind of a cult following. Yeah. Uh, this is with uh, Michael Paré and, and um, Diane Lane. Now, Diane Lane, of course, was just at the height of her delicious career. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, but you know what? I have to say that Michael Paré and Diane. She was the lead singer of Fire Inc. in this movie. I don't know who really did, did the voice, but Fire Inc. was awesome. You know, as a, as a romantic duo, though, Michael Paré and Diane Lane were terrible. Yeah. I, I, actually, he was—he's kind of a weak link. You know, if if you read about the making of the film, the producers did not think Michael Perret was very good. They sort of like, eh, yeah, we'll kind of—I think there's enough excitement in this thing that we can uh, we can survive the fact that Michael's not very good. Um, and of course, he did nothing after this movie. He just this guy just kind of dropped off the earth. But anyway, it's kind of this um, kind of this noirish urban fable kind of a thing where Michael Perret returns home to save. Uh, his girlfriend Diane Lane from the clutches of the evil. Um, uh, what's his name? Yeah, the yeah the the, the, the bad guy. Well, the, the, uh, the, the what what is his name? Uh, you mean the actor or the or the character? Oh, uh, Willem Dafoe. Well, yeah, Willem Dafoe, but the character is uh, Raven. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, I've you know what watching this film today. You, you, this is such. It's funny because when you look at the. Uh, Look at the uh, cover art. It yeah, just, that just screams like Stranger Things. It's the best. You know, eighties. You know, the, all the eighties illusions and all the eighties posters that uh, that you remember from back in the day are alluded to in this Blu-ray cover here. But um, if you are of that time and you remember this film, you, you're going to want to relive this. Whether you're going to like it, <laughs> yeah. Upon further review, I love I it. Don't know. I love this movie. You know what I love about this movie? What I especially love, I mean, it was Walter Hill in his heyday, but I, I, I just love the whole, the, the excess of it. I love the music. Maybe we'll go out in some of the music in the show today. Uh, I love the music, the Jim Steinman stuff that just overproduced stuff, that, like what he wrote for Meatloaf, you know, it's just, ah, it's just, it's just heavy and metallic. And, and then I, uh, what? Uh, oh, yes. Well, we will have to, we'll have We that. need to do that. We need to do that. Yes, you're right. Thank you. Uh, as soon as we're done here. So uh, and then uh, yeah, it's just great. I, and then and then there's like the 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 claws scraping across the screen and those transitions like like you're ripping from one scene to another. It's great, love it. All right then, real quickly, because Mark and I have to do a phone call. We have a phone call uh, conference uh, in a few minutes, so let's uh, let's whip this uh, show into shape real quickly. Um, let me do the uh, the Twilight Time and the Warner Archive stuff. And uh, that will probably take us out. We'll leave the Arrow stuff for next week. Um, uh, Ar- Warner Archive has a whole bunch of great stuff on Blu-ray this week. Uh, From Hell It Came, 
fantastic, fun, old, cheesy monster movie. Really, really a lot of fun and beautifully, beautifully put together. Uh, this, this, is, this is essentially like... Um, I don't even know how to how to I guess it's like a like a like zombie plant people is the only way to put this on the you know that come that are that are you know will terrorize you if you visit their South Sea Island. Uh, this is an awful lot of fun and uh, it, it really is just it's like a, it's a B movie as you could only get in the 1950s with that post apocalyptic uh, atomic age paranoia. Lots of fun. Um, the Loved One. It is one of those really cool movies from uh, the uh, 1960s that just sort of faded away a little bit. Um, Haskell Wexler produced this with John Calley. Now, isn't that a weird team to produce a movie? Directed by Tony Richardson, who, of course, was part of the, uh, the Angry Young Men and uh, was doing a lot of really extreme stuff in the wake of winning an Oscar for Tom Jones. And um, the whole thing is... It, it's a little bit tough to explain exactly what this is. It's like a weird, um, very dark comedy mashup that um, really just doesn't have any other equal. It's like the the dark side to uh, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And an amazingly weird cast. Jonathan Winters shows up in this as well, along with Robert Morley and Milton Berle and, uh, and Liberace, of all people. Uh, it is... Uh, you almost have to see it to believe it. The Loved One is really, really just a, a great kitsch flashback from an era that had lots of it. And then we've got James Garner and Lee Remick in uh, The Wheeler Dealers. This is um, kind of like a Rock Hudson Doris Day movie, except without them, with their, you know, with James Garner and Lee Remick. But uh, it's still a lot of fun. It's still uh, kind of a, a classic from the era, uh, 1963. Very, very nicely uh, directed by the late Arthur Hiller, who I'm almost starting to miss, believe it or not. And uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's really, it's, it's fun. It's a nice, nice bit of nostalgia. Seven Days in May, Burt Lancaster, Kirk Douglas, uh, Frederick March, and Ava Ooh, Gardner. that's a good one. John Frankenheimer directs the hell out of this movie. It is, uh, it is a really, really great, tough movie based on a very, very good novel with a screenplay by none other than the legendary mm -hmm. Rod Serling mm -hmm. of Twilight Zone fame, maybe the best screenplay Rod Serling ever wrote. And uh, this includes the late commentary that Frankenheimer uh, recorded for this as well. Um, it really, it's just it's, this is just one of the most suspenseful scripts and movies ever ever created uh and uh you know you get right inside the the tense standoff between the joint chiefs of staff and the president and it just feels it like it belongs there right with um not even not i, I wouldn't even say dr strange though because that's comedic advice this is this consent? is no 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 well advice and consent sure but i mean it it, it almost feels more like fail safe in a way doesn't yeah. it feel like it it belongs to that that crowd and then, of course, the Oscar-winning Accidental Tourist, which is completely faded from people's radar. Uh, Gina Davis was... Won an Oscar. Won an Oscar for, for Gina Davis, Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, directed by Lawrence Kasdan, and uh, still one of the more interesting films that he made in his career as a uh, standalone director. It's based on a book that I never read, so I, I'm going to take uh, people's word for it. But uh, Gina Davis does a uh, commentary, and there's an introduction by Kasdan. I kind of wish... It were the other way around, but uh, still, it's a it's a lovely Blu-ray from Warner Archive, and I'm glad that they um, they saw fit to uh, put it on Blu-ray. Uh, that's that's one that had sort of gone it's fallen by the wayside. All right, and uh, with that, are are we done, Mark? Is that it? 
Yes, we have a conference call. We have a conference call. All right, we will save everything else for next week, and uh, we will uh, we will talk to you guys. Later.